Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. The Bible says, I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and watch this, and hell was following close behind him. Everybody say, all hell broke loose. Everybody say, all hell broke loose. Yeah, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And I want to set this up by asking you this. How many of you have ever used that phrase or heard that phrase, all hell broke loose? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Probably we all, we all have. But I checked out the slang definition of that, and this is what it means. It means a situation suddenly and unexpectedly turns chaotic and out of control. Let me say that again. A situation suddenly and unexpectedly turns chaotic and out of control. And listen, listen, when that happens... People will often lament or even cry out, all hell just, what? Yeah, just broke loose. In fact, I was thinking back this week to about 20 years ago when I stood at this very spot right here, facing a situation in this room. And let me tell you, folks, it felt like all hell was about to break loose right in this room. So slip into the scene. It was a Sunday evening, and this auditorium was packed to the rafters. Now, mind you, normally on a Sunday evening back then, there would have been maybe 200 people here. There's a Bible study. We were actually going through the book of Revelation 20 years ago. At any rate, the place was packed to the rafters for a vote that was tantamount to whether I would be able to stay at this church or be forced to leave it. Now, I want you to stay stay in this scene because most of the people in the room were for me. They were with me. However, there was a large number of people who were against me, and some of them wanted me out of here. You see, when when I first got here, God had given me a vision to lead what was then First Baptist Church of Perrine to become Christ Fellowship, a church that would not only reach the community of Perrine, but a church that would reach out across the entire city of Miami, indeed, eventually across the Caribbean, across Latin America, where many of you people came from, and inexorably reach around the world to bring people who are far away from God into a close relationship with Him. That was the vision that God had laid on my heart. But folks, there were people in this church who were hell-bent on stopping that vision. And so they attacked me. They attacked Rhonda. They attacked our children. They even sent people to North Carolina, where I had come from, to try to dig up dirt on me. That's how hellacious it got. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I love those people. I did. But they were hell-bent on stopping what God was wanting to do. At any rate, this room was very, very tense. And I knew all that God wanted to do was teetering in the balances. And so I stepped forward and somebody handed me a handheld mic, which I never, never use. But somebody handed me a handheld mic and I stepped about right here to begin leading that meeting. But folks, as I put the mic to my mouth to start talking, my hands started shaking. Oh, yeah. And people, every eye in the room was on me to lead this, and my hand was shaking. I couldn't stop it from shaking. You say, why? Because I just didn't have a good feeling about things. Now, picture it. Behind me were all of the deacons seated right on these stairs. To the right of me, sitting about right there on the front row, and there was an aisle right down the middle back then, was the former pastor of the church, Tommy Watson. He had pastored here before me for 36 years. The deacons were for me. The pastor, the former pastor, Tommy Watson, he was with me. He was for me. He believed in the vision. But check this out. When Pastor Watson saw my hands trembling, I think he felt sorry for me. And he started whispering to me, Rick, let me say something to them. Let me say something to them. To which I finally went, okay, Tommy, here. He steps right here and he says, folks, can I tell you what Rick's problem is? He says, his problem is the same problem I had when I was here. He said, it's that man sitting right back there. And he pointed at the guy who was leading the charge against me. Oh, yeah. And that guy stood up and shouted something to the effect of, how dare you call me out like that? And he started coming right down this aisle. I'm standing right here, and his face is red, and he's angry. And I look, he's an older gentleman. Tommy's an older gentleman. I look over at Tommy, and Tommy's got this look like, let's rumble. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, hell is about to break loose in this room. Why? Because a situation suddenly and unexpectedly turned chaotic and out of control. And I remember feeling like I was going to have a panic attack. I remember feeling tightness in my chest. I was so fearful. You say, Rick, what happened? Tell you what, hold that thought and I'll come back to it. I promise, I promise, I will. But, but for now, let me turn the corner and bring that all over to this series that we've entitled, When All Hell Breaks Loose. Because folks, what an image of what can happen in our lives. What an image of what can happen in your life. What an image of what can happen in, in my life. And by that I mean just like all hell can break loose in a situation like that, all hell can break loose in our lives. In other words, life suddenly and unexpectedly turns chaotic and out of control. And to put it in the vernacular, all hell breaks loose on your job, all hell breaks loose in your career, all hell breaks loose in your business, all hell breaks loose in your health, all hell breaks loose with your finances, all hell breaks loose in your marriage, all hell breaks loose with your children, and you begin to feel panicked, you begin to feel, feel fearful. Why? Because bad stuff is coming, coming at you from what you feel like is all different directions. 
Now listen, listen, if you've ever felt like that, or who knows, maybe you walked in feeling like that. Maybe you would say, Blackwood, that, that's it. That's, that's my world. That's exactly the way I feel. Listen, if that's what you're feeling, then this message is for you. Because here's my proposition today. This is what I, this is what I want us to all walk out the door with. When your life feels like all hell has broken loose against you, listen, here's what you need to know. Sometimes it has. It literally has. You see, you see we tend to think, oh, that's just my life. You know, all this trouble I'm going through, my pain and the sorrow and the tears and the suffering, it's just life. And you might even, you might even glibly say, it's hell. Well, listen, here's what God wants you to know. There is an unseen world that is often behind a lot of the hell that we go through in this world. Let me say that again. There is an unseen world that is often behind a lot of the hell that some of you are going through right now. You say, what, what, wait, Rick, are you, are you saying hell literally can break loose against me? Literally? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, listen, fasten your seatbelts, hang on, because <laughs> we're going to find out the answer to that as we go back to the book of Revelation. I want to give you two thoughts today. How many of you have your listening guides ready? They're in your worship folders. If you're new with us, we like to take notes Let me go ahead and say today it's going to come across a lot more like teaching than preaching. And so you're probably not going to walk out with a lot of goosebumps. (laughs) This is going to to be a theological foundation that we'll build on in the next couple of weeks. So you need to put your brain in gear and get ready to think through some things with me. So with that in mind, here we go. If you're filling in the blanks, number one, here's what you need to know. Number one, all hell is really... (laughs) going to break loose. All hell is really going to break loose. Now, with that in mind, let's pick up Revelation beginning in verse 8, chapter 6, verse 8. Here's what Scripture says. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and hell was following close behind him. Everybody stop right there and heads up. Because I need to, I need to give you the setting of that, that scene. To begin with, that, that scene will take place in a future time that Scripture calls the tribulation. Everybody say the tribulation. Everybody say the tribulation. Yeah, you say, what's that? Well, write this down as A and B. The tribulation will be Three and a half years of hell on the earth. Three and a half years of hell on the earth. Now, before we just dive into all of that, let me, let me take a moment and, and, and review the, the overview of the book of Revelation because you need to see the big picture. So we're going to take the 38,000-foot view of it. So you remember, I've been telling you from the beginning that the book of Revelation is written in chronological order, chapter by chapter. 
And by that, I mean it unpacks the future sequence of events that will lead to the second coming of Christ back to the earth and the ushering in of a whole new earth. That's where the book is going. That's where history is going. So so I want you to look at the sequence of events because it happens chapter by chapter. So a lot of this is review from a couple of years. Chapter 1 takes us back in time to the death and resurrection of Christ. Chapters 2 and 3 bring us into the present, to what's called the church age. We are living right now in Revelation 2 and 3. You remember, I love Revelation chapter 4 and 5 because it, it gives us a trip to heaven. And it is a picture of what happens to God's people when you die. And it gives you this spectacular view of what heaven is really going to be like. And one of the things we found is this is not the final stopping place for God's people. Heaven's not the the stopping place. So what happens is, 4 and 5 gives us that view of heaven. But chapter 6 brings us back down to the earth for the future time of what is called the tribulation, which will last three and a half years. Hell on earth. Then chapter 7 begins to unpack what is called the great tribulation. Another three and a half years of unprecedented trouble on the planet. At the end of chapter 18, after the great tribulation, in chapter 19, Christ makes his descent at the second coming back to the earth. Once he gets here in chapter 20, he will establish what is called the thousand-year kingdom on this planet, a millennial kingdom on the planet. Then in chapter 21 and 22, God will create a whole new earth, a whole new universe, and we head into eternity. It will be the end of all death and sorrow and pain. You will be given a body. You will head into that that new planet This is where the future is headed. This is where history is headed. We're headed to a whole new world. You ever hear hear doomsday prophets say, the end is near. There is not going to be the end. The end is not coming, folks. What is coming is a whole new beginning for God's people that will usher us into eternity. And you're not going to spend eternity as a ghost in heaven. This is what a lot of people imagine. Playing a harp, boring yourself to death. We're coming back to the earth for a whole new world. You were made for the earth. You were made to have a body, and that's exactly where God's going to take us. Does that make sense? Get it? Get it? Good. Because chapter 6, where we are, begins to unpack the great, I mean, the, the tribulation period. And what happens is all hell breaks loose on the planet. Again, you get the idea in verse 8. Listen to it. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and hell was following close behind him. All hell breaks loose on the earth. And let me tell you why it breaks loose. Write this down as B. This is so important. God will suspend his protection during the tribulation. God will suspend his protection during the tribulation. Now, everybody put your thinking caps on. 
Because throughout history, God has always provided leadership for our planet. Specifically, he has provided protective leadership. And he has protected our planet from destruction, and he has always protected the human race from annihilation. By the way, you'll remember God has tasked the angels with that. Namely, one angel heads that up. His name is Michael. He is the one, the Bible says, who holds destruction back from the planet. God leads that. God has that. You see, I know a lot of you, you worry about global warming. And I get it. I get it. But let me give you some peace of mind. God's got it. God's got this, okay? God has got this. He has always protected this globe from destruction and the race from annihilation. However, that being said, more and more we live in a world that longs for a world without God. You see, they imagine God is the problem. You remember we talked about John Lennon's song, Imagine. He's imagining a world that he thinks would be better off without God. And so beginning in Revelation chapter 6, God is going to give the world what they want. You want a world without my leadership? You got it. And God backs out of the way and God detasks the angels from that global protection that they've provided for history. And instead of telling them to stop the destruction, to the contrary, God commands them to tell the the destruction to come, the catastrophes to begin. You get the idea in verse 1. Listen to chapter 6, verse 1. This is the beginning of the tribulation. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the living creatures, that's an angel, it's another name for a super powerful angel. I heard one of the living creatures say in a voice like thunder, stop. Is that what he says? No. What does he say? Come. And watch what happens in verse two. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. You say, who is that? That's the Antichrist as he makes his debut onto the world scene. Look at verse 3. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second angel, the second living creature say, Stop! Is that what he says? No, come. Watch what follows, verse 4. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make peace. People kill each other. To him was given a mega makarios, a mega sword, perhaps a nuclear sword. Verse 7, the lamb opened the fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, stop. Is that what he says? No, come and watch what happens. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and hell was following close behind him. All hell breaks loose. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, 
and by the wild beasts of the earth. Let's stop right there. Because what happens there is God creates a vacuum of leadership in the world. And listen, anytime, anytime there is a vacuum of leadership, the worst individuals will fill that vacuum. You know, I, sometimes I hear parents. Parents will say, well, we choose not to tell our children what to believe. We choose to let them decide. We choose not to lead them. Listen, mom and dad, somebody's going to tell your kid what to believe. You create a vacuum of leadership, and I'm telling you, the wrong people will step in and lead your child. The media will lead your child. The internet will lead your child. The wrong crowd will lead your child. When a vacuum of leadership is created, the worst people will fill it. And so when God creates a vacuum of leadership, Satan and all hell steps into it on the earth. Now you might be wondering, why would God do that? Why would God create a vacuum of leadership on the planet and then allow Satan and hell to fill the vacuum? Why would he do that? Well, listen, this is so important. Because what God is doing in that scene is is a tactical move. It is a strategic move to draw all of hell, Satan and all of hell, to draw them into one location at one time. In other words, God is going to create the vacuum and then lure Satan, lure demons, lure fallen angels, lure the Antichrist, lure the false prophets, lure them all into one spot on the earth. He's got them all in one place. And then God is going to unleash on them the full fury of the wrath of God. That time is called the Great Tribulation. More about that in a moment. For now, before God does that, there will be three and a half years when all hell breaks loose on the earth. There will be global war like you've never seen or heard of. There will be global famine like we've never seen or heard of. And Christians will be persecuted like never before. In fact, you get the idea. Look at verse 9. Scripture says, when he opened the fifth seal, watch this, I saw under the altar the what? The souls. These are the souls of people coming up to heaven. I saw under the altar in heaven the souls of those who had been slain. Why? Because of the word of God and because of the testimony that they would not let go of. And so during this time period, Christians are going to, going to begin to perish in somewhat of a, of a delirium. Antichrist is going to say, you shut up about Christ or I'll shut you up. And Christians are going to begin to perish in the tribulation in somewhat of a delirium. You say, Rick, wait a minute. I, I, Rick, are you saying Christians are going to go through the tribulation? Is that what you're saying? You, you say, I thought Christians weren't going to go through that. Well, listen, remember when we started this book, I, remember I said most of the book is easy to interpret. It, it, it's not that difficult. I said, but there are a few places where there's disagreement. This is kind of one of those spots. But I got to tell you, after looking at it, and studying it carefully, 
I think we will go through those first three and a half years. You see, when it, when it comes to trouble, God is not in the habit of taking us out of trouble. He tends to take us through it. You know, God didn't take Noah out of the flood. He took Noah through the flood. God didn't take Daniel out of the lion's den. He took him through the lion's den. God didn't take Shadrach, Meshach out of the, the fiery furnace. He took them through it. <laughs> Tell you what, more to come on that in the weeks to come, okay? For now, here's what, I, here's what we need to know. Now, write this down as one and two. This is so important to you to know. Hell breaks loose against us now. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying all hell breaks loose against us like in the tribulation. But folks, some of the hell that you're going through right now, it's hell. It's hell. Again, you see, you, you tend to think, oh, it's, it's just the troubles of my life. You're telling your friends, boy, you know, it's just been so bad. My suffering and my pain and the troubles and the trials and the tears and the sadness and the depression. And you, you would glibly say, it's just hell. Or you would say, it's just life. <laughs> well, listen, don't be deceived into believing that. Write this down as number two. It's not just life. It's hell. Listen, Satan is the father of all sorrow and pain and suffering and disease and tears and death. He hit this earth back in Genesis 3, and God said he is a destroyer. He is a destroyer of joy. He is a destroyer of peace of mind. He is a destroyer of happiness. He is a destroyer of fun. And make no mistake about it, he is a killer of life. He's a killer. Jesus called him a murderer. He's the author of death. You know, it's interesting. A few weeks back, I was at MCI, the Miami Cancer Institute, to get a checkup. Most of you know I've had cancer free so far. Uh, but I was, there, I was there getting a checkup, and while I was waiting to be seen, I decided to step outside MCI to get some sunshine. And when I did, I saw a stand of newly planted trees across the way. So I decided to walk over there. Turns out it was a, it was a tree garden, little trees. But then, folks, I noticed at the, at the bottom of each tree there was a little plaque. And then I realized it was the name of a child who had been destroyed by cancer. It was the name of a, a child who had been killed by cancer. And as I stood there looking at that, I thought of the mother and the fathers that had stood at the base of those trees and felt like all hell had broken loose against them. I thought of the hell of losing a child. I thought of the, the hell on earth of standing at the base of that tree, of standing at a grave and then walking away from that and trying to go back to normality. I thought of the hell on earth of walking away from that tree and trying to go back and hold your marriage together to, to take care of the children that you still have, to go back to the job and try to act like nothing happened. How in the name of God can you do that? Now stay with me because as I was standing there, I noticed a lady standing at one of the trees. And so I moseyed over 
to where she was. And I said, ma'am, is, was that your child? And she said, oh, oh, no, no. She said it was a friend of mine. It was her child. And then she said this. She said, God took their little angel. And folks, I could not respond to that. It just seemed like a teachable moment. And I said, ma'am, can, can I tell you something? God didn't take that little girl. I said, that's what Satan wants you to think happened. He wants you to think God's just up there, oh, I'm going to kill some kids today. And I said, God didn't take that child. I said, death took that child. And I said, Satan is the author of death. He's the destroyer. He's the killer in all of this, not God. And then I said to her, I said, but ma'am, you can rest assured, the moment that child died, the moment she was destroyed, God grabbed her little soul and brought her safely into his presence forever and ever. You see, what Satan means for evil, God always breaks into and makes good out of it. He just has that power. And so here's what I want to say to you. If you feel like all hell has broken loose against you today, I've got great news for you. In fact, write this down as big number two. When all hell breaks loose, God breaks in. And he loves to do it. Example in point, back to Revelation 6. Listen to this. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. These are Christians arriving in heaven. Their bodies are dead. Their souls are now arriving in heaven. And they want a word with God about what's happening down on the earth. And so they start talking to God in verse 10. They called out in a loud voice, God, we got something to say to you. They called out in a loud voice, how long? God, sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long, oh Lord, are you going to let that go on down there? How long, God? Until you judge the inhabitants, the Satan and the earth, and avenge our blood. In other words, these people are saying, God, when are you going to do something about that? The injustice that is going on down there. Verse 11, then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to do what? To wait a little longer. God's saying, I get it. Just wait. I got this. And listen, I think that's what God wants me to tell some of you. He's got it. Just wait. He's going to deal with what you're going through, the hell that you're going through. Just wait. He's got it. And then in verse 12, God finally says, okay, the wait is over. And God breaks into the hell on earth. Listen to verse 12. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. Listen, stop there because the opening of that seal is the beginning of the great tribulation, God's wrath against Satan. Kind of fast forward down to verse 17. Watch what it says. For the great day of their Wrath. You say, whose wrath is that? The wrath of God and the wrath of Christ has come, and who can withstand it? 
Everybody heads up. God is going to unleash the full fury of his wrath on this planet, on Satan, on his demons. And listen, the gates of hell, as Jesus described it, will not be able to stop the force of God against them. God is going to fight to take back this planet that Satan has been a destroyer of since he hit it. By the way, that time will be the next three and a half years, and that is called the Great Tribulation. In fact, let me simplify this for you. There is coming seven years, a seven-year period called the Tribulation. Let me break it down for you. The seven years breaks down into two equal halves, two three-and-a-half-year periods. One is called just the Tribulation. The second is called the Great Tribulation. In fact, write that down as A and B just so you got it to remember. The first three-and-a-half years is called the Tribulation. B, the second three-and-a-half years is called the Great Tribulation. And it is during those three and a half years that God breaks in and begins to say, the wait is over, I'm going to destroy Satan, and I'm going to take back the earth. But folks, it is going to get bad. In fact, listen to what Jesus said about this period of time. In Matthew 24, Jesus said, for then, so we're moving forward, for then shall be what kind of tribulation? Say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it, Christ. Yeah, great tribulation, watch this, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And then beginning in Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, all the way through chapter 18, 13 chapters, I think that is. The fury of God's wrath just is poured out in the trumpet judgments, the bowl judgments. But let me give you a little preview of it here, verse 12. Listen to what's going to happen. I watched, and he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The Greek is mega seismos. This is going to be a, a, an earthquake like the world has never seen, folks. You ever hear these prophets? They'll say, oh, there's been some earthquakes. It's the end. I always want to say, shut up, stop it. There's always been earthquakes. They're not a sign of anything. This is not going to be one of those. This is going to literally rock the earth. Listen to what else he says. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon turned blood red. Again, you hear these would-be prophets say, oh, we got these moons that look red. It's a sign of the end. There's always been that. It's been happening from the beginning. This will be spectacularly different. Verse 13, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up. Have you ever seen one of those blinds? You grab it at the bottom and you pull it and it goes, that's the image of this. The heavens are going to recede like a scroll and every mountain and island was removed out of its place. Listen, folks, you could drop a thousand tons of nuclear weapons and you won't remove the mountains and the islands. This is going to be the hand of God against Satan. Verse 16, 
the forces of hell began to call out to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. Who is that? It's God. And from the wrath of the Lamb. That's Jesus. And watch what they say in verse 17. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? All hell is going to say, how do we withstand this? Now, you might be saying, Rick, wait wait a minute, Rick. Are we going through that part of the tribulation, through the wrath of God? Will we be going through that? Listen, are you ready for the answer to that? Here it is. Yeah, be back next week. Yeah. You got to unpack that. You got to be back next week. For now, here's what you, I want you to know. Write this down as little one and little two. The first half of of the tribulation, all hell breaks loose. The second half of the tribulation, all heaven breaks loose. Isaiah said the world will reel to and fro like a drunkard. This world is going to be rocked, literally rocked like it never has before. It will be the fury and wrath of God against Satan. Satan will try to put up the gates of hell to stop it. He will not be able to withstand it. God will crush Satan once for all. The destroyer himself will be destroyed, and God will save this world. You believe that? See, here's here's what I know. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, okay, Rick, that's, that's the future, and, you know, it's, that's great. And that's why a lot of people ignore the book of Revelation. But you see, folks, here's what's so thrilling about the book of Revelation. Here's what God wants you to understand. What God will do then to save the world, God does now to save your world. Let me say that again. What God will do then to save the world, God is doing right now to save your world. You say, meaning what? Meaning just like when all hell breaks loose on this earth, God breaks into it. When all hell breaks loose in your world, let me tell you something. God longs to break in to that and be there for you. You see, God doesn't say, oh, well, I hope you make it. Hope you got this. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, child of God, you're never, ever alone. God has got your back. And you can call the forces of heaven, all of heaven, to your aid. You can call God Almighty, Yahweh, Elohim. You can call the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the great I am. You can call the Holy Spirit. You can call the angels. You can call the seraphs. You can call the cherubim. They are the answer to the hell that you're going through, and God has them there to break in and help you. But listen, listen, listen. Here's what I want us to get before I close. Christ Fellowship, we're also the answer. God wants to break into the hell that goes on in this world, and you and I are the hell, are the answer to a lot of the hell that goes on in this world. We're the answer to the problem. So what do you mean we're the answer to the problem? Well, think about it like this. If you know anything about math, in math, arithmetic is a problem looking for an answer. 
Algebra, on the other hand, is an answer looking for a problem. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. Arithmetic is a problem looking for an answer. Algebra is an answer that's looking for the problem. Christ Fellowship, we're the algebra. And by that I mean this. Write this down as big number three, and I'm going to close. Christ Fellowship is the answer looking for the problem. We have the answer to the world's problem. The first answer that we have for people is to bring people who are far away from God into a relationship with God. To show them that the emptiness that they've tried to fill in their lifetime with money and with stuff and with success, that they continue to fill that void, Christ is the answer. We're the answer to bringing them to him. But make no mistake about it, we're also the answer for a lot of the hell that's going on in this world. God wants us to be the answer. And we give that answer by love, by serving by caring for our city. We have the ministry Caring for Miami. A lot of our physicians, our dentists, nurses go out into the city in the name of Christ, name of Christ Fellowship, and serve and minister to people. We become the answer to the problem. And by the way, we, we have found another problem in our city that we want to be the answer to. You remember we talked about a lot of those children who suffer the dregs of cancer, they suffer the, the destruction of cancer. Well, you may, you may not know this, but Baptist Hospital now has a new therapy that can help these little children. It's called proton therapy, and it is so spectacular because it just helps target that, that disease that's in that little body. But you also need to know that kind of therapy is expensive, and for some families who don't have insurance and who don't have the money, that can be decimating to them financially. And so Christ Fellowship, we want to be the answer to that. We want to be a part of the answer to that problem. And so we want to give to help them. You know, every time I see one of those commercials on TV that shows one of those little children, hair falling out, bald, Eyes dark, circles, just beat down by cancer. I had to tell you, every time I see that, I'm burdened by that. But I was watching it one day and I started thinking, God, why don't we become the answer to that? And why, don't, why, don't, why doesn't Christ Fellowship become the answer to that in our city? And why don't we become the answer in the name of Jesus, in the name of Christ's love? Why don't we become the answer to that? And so today... We want to give, I'm going to ask Lauren to come out. We want to give a gift to Baptist Hospital of $10,000. And so we have, we have Lonnie Drody, who is a representative of Baptist Hospital. I'm going to ask her and her husband to stand if they both would. And Lonnie, we just want to give this to you, and we hope it will help some little children. Thank you. By the way, Lonnie is new, and she is serving and helping to lead Baptist Hospital, and uh, we just want to pray for her, and God bless you, my friend. Let me give you a hug. We're so glad to have you at, Baptist, at Christ Fellowship. You're welcome. Let's give it up for them one more time. Christ Fellowship, you're the answer to the problem. Everybody say, we're the answer to the problem. Say, we're the answer to the problem.
Listen, I got to tell you what happened. Because <laughs> the set on wood. So back to that night. Because I'm standing right here. Tommy's here. And this man's coming down the aisle at me toward Tommy. And I'm thinking, all hell's about to break loose in here. But there was a little lady, there's an aisle, there's a little lady sitting about right there. Her name is Dee Dee. She's a little tiny Spanish woman. She's sitting there, she's looking at me. I don't think she realized what was coming up behind her. But when she caught that out of the corner of her eye, she took her purse and goes whack and hits this guy right in the face. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. And that man left. God broke in. Dee Dee broke in. <laughs> and we were able to go on and we see the effects of what God did. Listen, when all hell breaks loose, God breaks in. Maybe with a little old lady named Dee Dee. And I got to say this in closing. I got to say this and I'm going to let us go. Listen, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Listen, he longs to break in and bring peace, joy, happiness, and fulfillment. You see, a lot of people go through this life, and they, don't, they got this big empty spot in their soul, and they try to cram all kind of stuff, looking for something to satisfy it. Money, success, popularity, fame. For, but it never, it never works. They always feel empty, and they feel it the most when they're alone, when the party's over, the music's off, the lights are out, and it's just you laying there in the bed with you, that's when your soul cries out, I need God. I need a relationship with my maker. And for some of you, your soul is crying out right now. And God wants to come in and fill you with his love, with his spirit, with his kindness, with his compassion, and give you everlasting life. You say, what do I do to receive that? Well, it's simple, actually. Religion complicates it. Religion clutters it. Jesus said it's so simple a child can do it. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do you get saved? You don't have to join a church. You don't have to go through a religious ritual. It's personal. It's not religious. It's personal. It's between you and God. And he says, if you'll ask him, he'll fill that void and give you peace. Why don't you call on him today? In fact, let's bow our heads at all of our campuses. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to receive Christ, ask him into your heart. In fact, let me lead you in a prayer. This is not a scripted prayer. This is not a poem. So just pray it from your heart as I lead you. Dear Heavenly Father, There is an emptiness in my soul. And God, I've tried to fill it with everything imaginable. And I realize none of it works. Because God, you made that place so that it could only be filled by your presence. And so, Lord, right now, I open the door to my life, I open the door to my heart, and I invite you to come in. I ask you to forgive all of my sins, 
my past sins, my present sins, even the sins I haven't even committed yet, forgive them all. And I ask you to give me everlasting life. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. May I spend the rest of my life on this earth following you, obeying you, loving you, and being loved by you. In your name I pray. Amen. Christ Fellowship, if you're glad at all of our campuses, for those who prayed to receive Christ, let them know it. Yes. Hey, let's give it up one more time for Lonnie, her husband, Mr. and Mrs. Drody. Let's give it up to them. Well, I'm going to ask all our campus pastors now to come forward at your campus. I love you all. Christ Fellowship. God bless you. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.